Guys, I know what you're thinking if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, Podbean, Apple, and Amazon on all the audio platforms, it's just picture me wearing a black long sleeve t-shirt that says Street Fighter 2 on it. If you're watching on YouTube, you know what I mean. Yes, I am a gamer. I do love games. I love playing video games. I love, you know, just playing, you know, on consoles itself. I had I grew up with a lot of consoles. I grew up with a PlayStation 2, uh, PlayStation 1, an Atari, a Wii, a Nintendo DS, Xbox One. I have a PS5 now. I'm a gamer. I uh, Super Nintendo, even a Nintendo Switch. I have one of those. I'm a gamer. I love playing video games on in in, in my spare time. Uh, so yeah, I love a lot about football. I love football to death. But video games is something I I really do enjoy. Street Fighter Two, one of my favorite games. I absolutely love it. Hopefully one day we can you know I can work something out with Street Fighter and or Capcom or whatever and. Talk about pigskin frenzy on there. But anyway, long story short, I'm wearing a, a gamer t-shirt. Let me have my moment here. That's all I'm going to say. And with that, going into this episode, welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful and awesome Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple, or Podbean, a big thank you for just taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below, even leave comments about me being a nerd, about being a video gamer, okay? So leave comments down below. Podbean, Spotify, and Apple, all you have to do is just share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook, you know what to do. Type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's question as well as all things of today for Pixie and Frenzy. College football day today. You're thinking, man, after the game we saw last night, the game that I covered in Super Bowl 58, we will get to that, but we're going to get to that Thursday. All NFL stuff on Thursday. You know what's going on there. We will recap that, and I made a promise you will see that Thursday. College football day today. We're going to recap National Signing Day because last Wednesday was National Signing Day for 2024. The class of 2024 is now complete. We move on to recruiting in 2025, and we are going to talk about National Signing Day of 2024. We're going to discuss that. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about some news out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and some news out of Syracuse, New York. You're going to not going to want to miss that. A couple of things there before we move on to National Signing Day of 2024. So, guys, recap episode here and some results episode here. Keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy. You'll enjoy this episode. Like each episode. Leave comments down below. Keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Apple, you name it. Uh, on X, Instagram, and Facebook, just keep messaging me. Comment down below. Keep liking each episode and keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy on all platforms. Now, let's go into some news out of Tuscaloosa because this is pretty big. This kind of, I would say, not all the way, but kind of shapes and molds how they're going to be in 2024. So Alabama back in 
January last month, Nick Saban, the greatest head coach of our time, retired from college football and retired from football in general. Um, Alabama sought after their next head coach, and their next head coach was then Washington head coach, Kalen DeBoer. He is now the new Alabama head coach, and he is, has a tough task of in his first season uh as you know, trying to bring it, usher in a new era of Alabama football. And he's going to try to do that. So he brought a lot of his key members of his staff here, uh, including Jamarcus Shepard, wide receivers coach, Nick Sheridan, tight ends coach, and at the time, OC Ryan Grubb from Washington. Ryan Grubb was going to be Alabama's offensive coordinator. He hired him and they were going to get ready to rock and roll. And, uh, Finished with a pretty solid recruiting class as well, uh, with the help of Nick Saban, you know, after you know, after Nick Saban retired and all. So we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna discuss that later for the national signing day. But for Kalen DeBoer hired on Ryan Grubb's OC. And then news broke the other day that the Seahawks were considering Ryan Grubb as their offensive coordinator in the NFL. And it's when you're sitting there, you're like, oh man, an NFL job's opening up for him. He was one of the bright spots for Alabama for the past couple of years. And he may not even get to coach at Alabama, even though he was hired to coach at Alabama. So um, interviews happened and the Seahawks found their man. So the Seattle Seahawks, and I will discuss this on you know, Thursday as well. They have the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL have hired Alabama offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb to be their next offensive coordinator for the NFL season in 2024. So huge loss for the Alabama Crimson Tide already now that he was going to be there. And then just like that, before he even coached, it's gone from Alabama. So Alabama's got to find a new OC and uh, it, it, it most likely will continue will come from within, but it can also come from the outside looking in. So we'll just, you know, we can name drop some people here in a little bit, but let's just talk about this for just a second before we get into National Signing Day and Recruiting Recap. But it's just kind of funny because the past two, so it's in the past two years, Nick Saban wanted to get Ryan Grubb in. He wanted Ryan Grubb to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Uh, they had... They had Bill O'Brien as the OC. Bill O'Brien then left for the New England Patriots. He wanted Ryan Grubb to come in after, you know, during the offseason before the 2023 season even began, and he turned him down. He stayed with Kalen DeBoer, went back to Washington, and then the rest is history. Washington went on to be 14-1 and go to the national championship, right? So you know how that went. Uh, Ryan Grubb has produced solid offenses in the past couple of years for Washington, and then – Kalen DeBoer goes to Alabama, and then they finally get their guy. Alabama finally gets their guy in Ryan Grubb, right? So it's it's kind of unique and funny how that works. It's like the Lord, and I I am I am a Christian, so you're gonna sit there and be like, uh, you know, this guy's gonna start preaching here in a little bit, but I am. It's like the Lord is telling Ryan Grubb not to go to Alabama. It's almost like that, right? It's like telling. It's like telling the, the Lord is, is just saying, hey, you're not going to go to Alabama, dude. You're not coaching in Alabama. For some reason, it's, 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 it's the Lord saying, hey, you do not, do not belong here. That's my honest thoughts. I don't think Ryan Grubb belongs there in the first place. There's a purpose for this, and it's the purpose is he doesn't belong at Alabama. That's why he's, that's why he's going to the NFL. That's why he's going to Seattle, and he's going to stay in Washington 
up in Seattle. So who does Alabama get now as their head coach? Not as their head coach, as their offensive coordinator. My bad. Their their offensive coordinator. They already got a head coach. What are you talking about, Joel? Sorry. A uh, little bit drained today. Anyway, offensive coordinator. Who are they going to get as their offensive coordinator? When you think about it and when you look at everything, there's a lot of names that you could throw out there for their OC. One name that I found interesting was offensive coordinator for Missouri, Kirby Moore. I thought Kirby Moore could have been a good, could be a decent hire, especially what he did this past season. Uh, you know, at Mizzou. I mean, I think what they did uh, this past season and what's been going on down there has been it was quite terrific with Brady Cook and they had Cody Schrader on their team and they looked good. They they won the they won the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State back in late December. So. Uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's quite interesting to see, you know, what Alabama could do and pull from there and see what kind of offense they can run there. They can also hire from within. There's also some names right there so they can hire from within. Um, Nick Sheridan, their tight ends coach and wide receiver coach, Jamarcus Shepard. Those could be some really good options for Alabama. Um, I really like both. I would like to see if they can keep Nick Sheridan at the tight end position or if they're going to move him to quarterbacks because I've been hearing rumors about that about that, uh, about, you know, if they did hire Nick Sheridan as their OC, they can move him from tight end coach to offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach with Jamarcus Shepard. They can do a co-offensive coordinator deal where he's also the, he also calls the plays, but he is still the wide receivers coach because Jamarcus Shepard, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's probably, uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there, but there's quite, you know, very quite a few coaches out there that can develop, NFL-ready wide receivers like Jamarcus Shepard can. He's got three of them, uh, including a first-round wide receiver in Aroma Dunze, about to go to the NFL draft. And he, he's, he's creating some stars at the receiver position. So I would keep him developing at wide receivers, but he could also call some plays uh, in the 2024 season for Alabama. And if you want, you could hire them as an OC, but here's, an, here's also a good deal. You can hire an OC, but have Kalen DeBoer call plays, right, during the whole season. Have the head coach call the plays, even though you have an OC there that you hired for protocol, right? So for protocol, hire an OC for the staff, but at the same time, you call the plays. Let me go on and tell you something. Kalen DeBoer is a play caller. He can call some plays. He is a good coach. He's a good offensive-minded coach, and I think it could be a decent, it could be, it could be a decent thing if you let him call a play. So I would kind of like to see where they go from here after Ryan Grubb has left left Alabama already for Seattle. Um, I'm kind of seeing where where things stand, and we will we will report on it and we will talk about it uh, and have my thoughts on whoever they get as the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide for the 2024 season. But interesting enough, uh, they're looking for an OC already. So uh we're going to see how it works out. Ryan Grubb going to Seattle Seahawks. Bama is in search of another offensive coordinator. So that is just a little bit of news out of Tuscaloosa and out of Kalen DeBoer's staff on what's going on there with Alabama and Kalen DeBoer. So let's go in really quick and just talk about Syracuse, going into Syracuse. And uh, it, it, it kind of hurts a little bit if you're Syracuse. If you're an orange, an orangeman, uh, go orange. By the way, guys, <laughs> right? Go orange. Okay, no one's uh, probably no one's responding to me here about about orange. About you know, go orange. Uh, no one's responding to me anyway because we're recording. So anyway, Syracuse wide receiver, top wide receiver, Damian Alford has been dismissed from the team. 
big time news out of here because he was the best receiver on the team. So, uh, and point blank, you're going to say, oh, Joel, they got some guys. He was the best receiver on the team. Hands down, he was the best receiver on the team. He played in 42 games uh, with 67 catches and 1,291 yards. He made some dynamic plays, and this is per ESPN and Pete Thamel. Let me go on and tell you something about Damian Alford. He changed, uh, in receiving-wise at least, quite the complexion of that program, okay? So... My honest thoughts is who's Kyle how's Kyle McCord gonna throw to in 2024? That's a big time question there here for uh the orange. Who who is Kyle McCord gonna throw to in the ACC? Damian Alford was up there in the ACC with you know with some with some big time, you know, catches, right? With some big time plays and some big time catches. So you're like sitting there going, okay, who is Kyle McCord going to throw to now that they just landed him? And, you know, who's going to step up on Fran Brown's team, right? That's going to be, you know, their top playmaker for this season, right? Because Damian Alford was one of their playmakers. He's gone, he's dismissed, and it is it's kind of a shame, honestly, uh, of a talent like him to just go, you know, and get dismissed from the team. It's kind of sad. Um, there, there's, there's no, I've not been given a reason why that he's been dismissed. I've, you know, been, you know, message, messaging and messaging, and they all, they all just told me the same thing. That he just got, that got dismissed. So, um, you know, they dismissed him. Uh, they're going to have to find a new playmaker, and it's kind of a shame because uh, that McCord and Alford connection could have been something special for Syracuse. So that's the news out of Syracuse, New York, and uh, let's just see who steps up with them for the Orange uh, coming up in the 2024 season. I would like to see what happens for them in the spring and how they're going to, you know, shape things up in the spring and what's going to happen. Uh, they're one of the teams that I'm very curious about going to the ACC, especially with Kyle McCord as their quarterback and Fran Brown as their new head coach going into the 2024 season, and especially. A lot of people aren't going to, and I'm just going to just be honest about this. This is a whole different conversation because we're talking about Syracuse, but if you want to talk about the ACC going into the spring, I'm very curious. This is me unfiltered, just saying my thoughts. I'm very curious to see what the ACC is going to look like and what they're going to do during the, you know, during the spring and going into the 2024 season. What's that going to look like? What's how's that going to play into a fact a fa- factor for going into 2024, especially into a playoff where there's going to be 12 teams where there's conference realignment in the SEC, the Big 12, and in the Big 10. How is that going to play into a fact? And into into an effect, into an effect, into a lot of things that's going on here in college football. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with the ACC. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with Syracuse in the spring. And I'm just curious to see about a lot, you know, going in uh, to this offseason there as we continue to go through the offseason here in college football. So uh, that's some news out of Syracuse. They dismissed their top wide receiver in Damian Alford, and we're going to see who, you know, who steps up for Syracuse now during the spring. So let's talk about National Signing Day. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about, and this is the main things that we're going to talk about is the results in recruiting of the top 24, uh, you know, of the, the class of the 2024 the top 10 and where everybody finished because it's a little bit of a shakeup than what we talked about last week. And we're also going to talk about, you know, some of the key guys that signed with their teams and who made the decisions to flip and stay with their originally committed team. So we're going to talk about that, that and recap everything before we end pick skin frenzy. Not going to be a too long of an episode today, but 
we're going to talk about it, and we're going to have something good at the end of the episode that we're going to talk about with college football episodes of Pigskin Frenzy, so stay tuned there at the end of the episode. Guys, just keep plugging in. That's all I'm going to tell you. Just keep plugging in. National Signing Day. Let's get into some of the top recruits that did stay and did not really, I mean, did stay, but not really that, but also flipped in a way. But we had a lot of guys that really just stuck to their commitments. Um, and, and guys like Dominic McKinley, he was a post defensive lineman, uh, was supposed to go to Texas A&M. He was flipped from A&M to LSU, five-star defensive lineman and Dominic McKinley. He stuck to that commitment out of Lafayette, Louisiana. He signed with LSU and will join them in the fall as a as an LSU freshman defensive lineman. He is a pa- powerful lineman. He is going to give a lot of beef and a lot of strength to that D-line come fall for the Tigers. Uh, honestly, he is a pr- tremendous talent. He's very physical, and he knows how to put some pressure on the quarterback. So McKinley, Dominic McKinley, gonna, is going to sign with LSU. Another one that I like was the is wide is plays at wide receiver, but he's an athlete all over the field. And that's five star athlete and receiver Terry Bussey. Terry Bussey uh, was committed to Texas A and M. There was rumors of him flipping from Texas A and M to LSU, and the crystal ball had him, you know, staying with A and M, and he did stay with A and M. He signed and committed to Texas A and M, uh, you know, last Wednesday, and he is going to uh, probably be a big time factor into Mike Elko's offense come fall of twenty, come fall in in, in August and in September. So I'm kind of curious to see what Terry Bussey how he plays in the Aggie offense this, you know, coming up season. But uh, he was. It was it was a battle. It was a battle between it was a battle between uh, LSU and A and M to see what they were going to do out of Timpson, Texas, uh, for Terry Bussey. But Bussey, a good pickup for the Aggies. He might make an immediate impact for A and M and for Elko's team. Uh, let's just see. You know, let's just see what happens here. I'm kind of curious to see. Um, uh, another one, uh, wide receiver, four star wide receiver, Gatlin Bear. He did commit to Oregon. He signed with Oregon. He is the one of the fastest receivers. Uh, he just now earned his fifth star. So now he's a five-star receiver. Five-star receiver Gatlin Bear uh, has earned uh, his spot at Oregon. He received signed and is enrolled now or will enroll at Oregon. He signed his uh, national letter of intent to Oregon for the Ducks. So good pickup for Dan Lanning here. He's one of the fastest receivers in the class of 2024. Uh, and he's just a pure speed receiver. I mean, I mean, honestly, solid pickup here. Didn't really expect him to go anywhere else, honestly. I think Gatlin, Gatlin Bear and how he plays and his style of play really fits what the Ducks are looking for, especially as they move towards the Big Ten. So I think as they move and shift towards you know the Big Ten from the Pac-12, Gatlin Bear, is, he's what they look for in a speedy type receiver. He comes from Burley, Idaho. So Gatlin Bear signing with Oregon last week, and he gets, you know, he gets, you know, he he's there. He's going to sign his national letter of intent there, and he will be, you know, with the Ducks. So as I look over my notes here, you know, really quick, uh, I was going to see if I can find one more. Noah Carter, he committed to Alabama and he signed in with Alabama uh last Wednesday. So it was a, there was a little bit of rumors there. He came out of Peoria, Arizona. Uh 
it was but you know it was between Alabama and Louisville and Auburn but uh Noah Carter ended up right ended up signing with Alabama and he presents a big threat on the edge for the Crimson Tide and he was originally committed to Washington but after he found out that DeBoer was leaving Washington. He decommitted from Washington and then decided to commit to Alabama instead to go to go, to go play for Coach DeBoer. That's who he wanted to play for, right? And then there were it was kind of rumors that he hadn't really signed yet. They were going to wait to see if they were going to flip or not, but he didn't really budge. He decided to stay and sign with the Crimson Tide, and it's a good pickup. Like I said, physical, on the edge. He uh, knows how to... Oh, uh, you know, kind of confuse the the offensive line and kind of and kind of cause chaos, you know, in, in, when it comes to pressure in the quarterback. So Noah Carter, um, honestly, d- good pickup there for the Bama, for the, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Noah Carter could be a Carter could be a future guy for Alabama when it comes to edge rushers. They uh, had a lot of edge rushers come out of Alabama that have gone on to the NFL. Currently, the defensive rookie of the year in uh, Will Anderson. So Noah Carter could be the next guy there. And um, he could be, you know, one of the next, you know, one of the next big things there, right? So let's just see what happens with Alabama and let's see what happens, you know, with Noah Carter being there. Good pickup there for the Crimson Tide. So, one pickup that we talked about last week and we were going to you know mention was Jamari and Burnett running back uh running back out of the state of Alabama uh, a lot of you know there were some rumors of him going to either Arkansas, Auburn, Missouri and Houston was in there there were three SEC schools and a one and in one you know one group of five right in Houston so uh and and there was it was room, we were rumored about is he going to flip to uh, is he going to you know there was down to two really schools he's leaning towards Auburn or is he going to go to Houston because those were the two schools that he was leaning towards but Willie Fritz got the services of Jamari and Burnett last week Houston has signed Jamari and Burnett Jamari and Burnett will not go to Auburn and Hugh Freeze's team he will. He will go to Houston, and he will be coached under Willie Fritz. He signed with a group of five. Good on Jamari and Burnett. He felt like that was the best place for him to go, and he's a solid back, man. Very patient running back out of you know coming out of Alabama, and he is uh, the number rated as the number nineteen running back in the nation uh, in the rankings uh, according to twenty four seven Sports and recruiting. So good on Jamari and Burnett. Uh, good on him for signing with Houston and feeling like that's home for him, right? So, uh, good, good for them, right? That's a good thing for them, and you know, good for him to you know just go to where he's comfortable, right? So he's a solid back. Houston got a good player out of him, and I cannot wait to see what Burnett does with Houston coming up this season. So Jamari and Burnett, four-star running back, signs with the Houston Cougars and new head coach Willie Fred. So that's a, a big, you know, part, big some of the big commitments that, you know, signed on Wednesday and last week uh, for National Signing Day. And some of the guys that, you know, finished out the class of 2024, uh, you know, for college football and national signing day. So real quick, before we conclude today's episode of pigskin frenzy, let's go over the rankings for, you know, the recruiting and national signing day. We got, we got some time. We got some time guys. Come on. Uh, let's talk about it. 
and these are how this is how everybody finished. We talked about the rankings and where everything stood before National Signing Day, right? The day before. Well, let's talk about how everything finished up and how everything wrapped up here in the college football, you know, recruiting rankings, right? So, like I said, not gonna be a long, not gonna be a long pretty skin frenzy episode of college football. I'm just gonna recap, you know, National Signing Day. And we're gonna have something special to talk about about at the end of the episode with when it comes to, you know, college football and when it comes to the future episodes coming up, you know, for the next few weeks. So uh, going into number one, who finished with their fourth recruit number one recruiting class class in the past eight years, and that's Georgia. Georgia is the number one recruiting class this season with composite points of 317 composite points in the rankings. Number one recruiting class, Georgia finishes out. Number two, Alabama with 310 composite points in the rankings. Alabama finished out with a number two recruiting class. Uh, part of that, well, a lot, uh, a little bit of that was. Kalen DeBoer, a majority of that was Nick Saban before he retired. Uh, Bama got the number two recruiting class going into 2024. So good. You know, number one, number two, both from the SEC, Georgia and Alabama finished with the top two recruiting classes in 2024. Number three, and it was a good day for head coach Dan Lanning of the Oregon Ducks because Oregon got the number three recruiting class, finished top three in recruiting in 2024 with 293 composite points in the rankings. Gosh, I mean, Oregon is recruiting at a high level in both both sides, the transfer portal and in recruiting in high school. Dan Lanning is a wonderful coach, and it's only a matter of time before he builds Oregon into a juggernaut and they're already recruiting at the level of a juggernaut. So I would watch out for what Oregon's going to do in the big 10. Um, I'm kind of high on Oregon going into the big 10 out of everybody that's moved uh, due to conference realignment. I think Oregon can find some success this season and immediately with the head coach that they got and with the recruiting class and the players that they got on their team. So I'm curious to see what Dan Lanning's going to do with this. Uh, number three recruiting class is Oregon. Number four, the U. Miami wins the state of Florida, and they are top four in recruiting. Uh, 291 in the composite points. Number four, Miami, they get and they jump. They were number five at first, but they jumped Ohio State after picking up a few more commits. 291 in the composite points. Miami is number four. Well, they finished with a with one of their highest recruiting classes in quite some time. Miami is recruiting at a high level. Mario Cristobal is trying to build something down there and try to bring the U back to prominence. They're trying to bring the Hurricanes back to where they were back in the day, right? So let's see how Miami does. They're recruiting at a high level. Let's see what they do, you know, during the spring. And let's see what they do coming up, you know, during their – you know, during their opener against Florida, during their opening, during the rest of the season, you know, come, you know, come in the fall because they looked really good in the ACC last season until some games that they, you know, kind of blown at the end. So Miami at the number four recruiting spot there. Number five, Ohio State with 289 composite points. Ohio State has a solid recruiting class as always, as always with the transfer portal as well. Ryan Day recruiting another heck of a recruiting class there. Um, good on Ryan Day. Good on the Buckeyes for, you know, leaning in with it and, you know, grinding out there and, um, you know, they weren't the top ten, the top team in the Big Ten winning here in recruiting. It was Oregon, but uh, you know 
they're second, right? They're second in recruiting in the Big Ten. So Ohio State got it. And Ohio State, top five recruiting class once again uh, for the Buckeyes and Ryan Day. Number six, Texas, 286 points in the composite rankings here. Uh, and composite points here for Texas, 286. Texas uh, is returning 70% of their production from last season. 70% of their production. Guys, that is more than, than most in college football, <laughs> okay? And when I look at it and when you think about it, you're thinking, oh, it's just because of Quinn Ewers, right? It's just because of Quinn Ewers. Yes, it's, I mean, yeah, it's because of Quinn Ewers, but they got guys on their on their line coming back. They got some guys who were in the, in the backfield coming back for them. Um, they got some guys on defense coming back for them. Texas is going to be a, a loaded team in the SEC going into this season. They'll, they're number two behind uh, Georgia entering the pre in the way, entering the way, way too early preseason rankings there, uh, heading into spring and heading into college football. But heading into spring, they are the number two team going into the SEC, right? So let's see what Texas is going to do. Uh, let's see what they're going to do with how they build off of this recruiting class because they that was a good recruiting class that they signed. Top 10, number six uh, recruiting class, and this was a uh, another strong showing for Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. So let's see how they play off of that. Number seven, LSU. Uh, SEC heavy in the top 10 for sure. Uh, LSU. Uh, you know, to with 278 uh, composite points in the rankings here. Uh, LSU with another strong recruiting class, especially signing defensive lineman Dominic uh, McKinley. Uh, that's a really good pickup there, I think. I think uh, it is needed on the defensive line. Uh, there are big areas that LSU needs. It comes from the defensive side of the ball, including up front and in the back, in the back. You know, in the backfield, in the secondary, uh, they need help in DBs, and they need help with you know, you know, up front. But with the guys that they got, they got uh, Bo Davis coming back on the defensive side of things. Bo Davis on the as the, uh, he came from Texas and is back at LSU as their D line coach, probably the best defensive line coach in college football. They got uh, Blake Baker as their new defensive coordinator there. Um, they have Corey Raymond, who was the, the the kind of the sole founder of DBU at LSU, right? And then went to Florida and now is back as their defensive backs coach at LSU. Uh, they have built a staff, a whole revamped, a whole staff on defense. And it's a pretty solid staff on defense. So let's see what they do on defense. I expect a pretty good change on how they play defense. I'm not going to sit there and say it's going to be pretty, but it's not going to be terrible. I don't think it's going to be non-existent. I think they're going to show that, hey, we can play some defense down here in Baton Rouge. So let's see what happens there. Uh, big signing in this in this recruiting class shows it on the defensive side of things, at least for LSU. So good recruiting class for LSU here, especially on the defensive side of things uh, for, you know, for the Tigers. So number seven is LSU. Uh, you know, especially with 278 points, the composite rankings. Another SEC, number eight, Oklahoma with 275 composite points in the rankings here. Number eight, got some good commits there, uh, recruiting at a high level, and that's what you need if you're Brent Venables going in the SEC. You need this type of recruiting class. You need a top five recruiting class. You need to show that you can recruit going into the SEC and say, hey, you know, next season will be our full season recruiting going into the SEC. So we're going to show everybody, hey, 
you know, we can recruit at a high level amongst these SEC schools. So uh, this is what Oklahoma needed to send that message a little bit if you're Brent Venable. So number eight, solid pickups here for Oklahoma as well uh, for, you know, for them. Number eight, Oklahoma. Number nine, Notre Dame. Notre Dame uh, is that number nine with 275 composite points in the rankings. Uh, they look, they don't look bad. They look good uh, in a lot of areas. They finished at number nine. Uh, they picked up a lot of uh, you know solid recruits, especially to kind of help build around Riley Leonard as their new quarterback coming in and transfer quarterback coming in. So a uh, good pickup for another good pickups for Notre Dame here, and they finish here at number nine. And uh, finally, number ten. Before we get down to some of the teams that just finished outside the top ten, so number ten, Auburn, Hugh Freeze uh, with a composite points of two hundred seventy five point thirty nine. So uh, with just a little bit of a percentage of a point, Notre Dame finishes ahead of Auburn in the rankings for recruiting in the class of twenty twenty four. But Auburn cracks a top ten recruiting class. Number ten in recruiting is Hugh Freeze in Auburn. Not bad from where they were a year ago, right? Hugh Freeze is still trying to build down there uh, and they need to build down there. Uh, recruiting on the offensive side of things, Hugh Freeze is going to call the plays this season for uh, for Auburn. So we're going to see what Auburn does. I'm curious to see what, uh, how, they, how this recruiting class translates into the fall and how they translate into the season with Hugh Freeze calling the plays on offense. So uh, good on Auburn finishing with a top 10 recruiting class in 2024. Just outside of the top 10, we're going to go to the top 15. We're going to go from 11 to 15. Like the honorable mentions, but not really. Number 11 is Clemson with 272 composite points. Uh, Clemson finishing with another solid class, but just outside the top 10. Florida State, number 12, 271 composite points in the rankings. Florida State with a solid recruiting class and a solid showing there. Number 13, Tennessee with 267 composite points. The Vols getting it done in recruiting and a lot going down there with Knoxville with some of the NCAA sanctions. We're not going to talk about a whole lot about that right now, but uh, you know, a lot going on down there uh, in Knoxville. Number 14, Florida, two with 266 composite points. And number 15, Penn State, uh, you know, he finished in the top 15, Penn State, 265 composite points in the rankings. And for Florida, uh, it, to me, they finished out of, you know, out of the battleground and the battle recruiting battle between Miami, Florida State, and Florida. Florida finishes last. They finished, you know, below both Miami and Florida State, respectively. And it's and it's sad. It's honestly it's sad because we were promised a solid recruiting class by head coach Billy Napier, and we were promised a recruiting class that would have at least cracked the top 10, maybe. Uh, and, and, and we were, not only that, we were expecting a top five recruiting class from them, but a lot of commits that they were trying to get committed elsewhere. Uh, it wasn't strong enough. It was strong. I mean, don't get me wrong. A top 15 class to me is something that is strong. I, t I would love to have a top 15 recruiting class in college football. It is hard to recruit in college football. Trust me, it is. It's hard to sell. And that is what you're doing. You're selling your program. You're selling your program on why, hey, if you come to play for me, 
you can win and have success in academics. You can have success to get a great education. And athletically, we could win a championship with your services on how you play. And you could, uh, and you can be a very valuable asset to our football team and program. So it's hard to recruit. You got to pitch all those things to those teams. So it's hard to do that. But Billy Napier had the he say he was very confident in recruiting at that high level and he didn't recruit to the high level that he promised everybody that he was going to recruit and this is not me hating on billy napier in florida you're gonna think oh this guy's a hater on billy napier he's been a hater ever since he started this show with pigskin frenzy and it's not it's not like that at all I'm not hating on Billy Napier. I'm just stating the obvious. He said that that there's going to be a recruiting class that their teams are going to want to watch out for, you know, when it comes to playing against us in 2024 and beyond. And the thing is, man, it's four, fifth, 14 is not the recruiting class and not the high enough level where everybody is sitting and saying, okay, you said top five, but you finished at 14 and you lost the state of Florida compared to Florida State and Miami. So that's my whole ordeal with the Florida situation and the battleground state. I think Florida needed it. I really did. I think Florida needed it. So if you want to say if there was any letdowns, I would say Florida. If Florida needed it. They needed it because of the schedule that they got coming up. And um, let me go on and say this. You know what? Let me just pull it up. If you, Before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, uh, this was pretty much the conversation of National Signing Day, and this is our recap of National Signing Day and the results of National Signing Day. But before we conclude, conclude this episode, uh, we got to talk about the schedule here. We got to talk about the schedule for 2024, and uh, it, it's, it's a little tough. It's a little tough, all right? So uh, in exactly uh, in today, it's, it's the 13th today. So... It's the 13th, so in exactly two months, two months to the day, it's their spring football game. So two months to the, to the day is spring football for Florida. The last time we saw Florida, they were playing Florida State in Gainesville. So, um, the and, and here we go. Let's just kick off, kick off their schedule. They got spring football in April 13th, Saturday, April 13th, two months to the day, their spring game. Then August 31st, Opening weekend, Gainesville, Florida. They got the U coming into town. The team that they they the team that pr pretty much was in a top five in recruiting this year and won the state of Florida compared to Florida State and Florida. So Miami is August thirty first. Then you got to go with September seventh. Samford, September fourteenth, at home against A and M. They don't have in a row. They don't have a road game until they play a revamped Mississippi State football team under new head coach Jeff Lebby uh, at Starkville. That's going to be an interesting game there. So they got three home games before they go on the road on September 21st to play Mississippi State at, in Starkville. They go back home to, to play Gus Malzahn and UCF in Gainesville. So they got a lot of key Florida teams this season on their schedule at Tennessee on October 12th in Knoxville. They got to go back home to play in Gainesville. And that's going to be a tough stretch there. Uh, October 19th in Gainesville. 
uh, against Kentucky and against a team that has kind of had their number the past few seasons uh, on and off kind of has had their pat has kind of had their number the past few seasons. Kentucky has been a strong team, you know, against Florida. So they have a bye week and they got to go play against the number one recruiting class team and presumably, presumably the number one team going into this season against Georgia, right? You're thinking, dude, when did this turn into a schedule lookover for Florida? I'm just telling you why this recruiting class was important. They play Georgia in Jacksonville, then they got to go back to, then they got to go on the road to play Texas. They got to go play Texas in Austin. And Texas going into this season is probably going to be the number two team going into the SEC with 70% of their production coming back. An away game against the Longhorns is going to be tough, especially when they got majority of their team coming back from the college football playoffs from last season. So Texas is at, you know, at Texas on November 9th. Then they got to go play, go back home, the, their first home game since Kentucky uh, on November 16th to play LSU. And it, it's a home game against LSU, but L, they have not beaten LSU since tw- 2018. This is their first, this, this, this would be their first, if they win this game, their first win in five to six years against LSU. LSU's beaten them for the five, the past five seasons. So tough game against LSU there, and LSU's going to be good. Ryan Kelly's going to have them ready this season. Then you got a solid team in Ole Miss coming to Gainesville. A solid team in Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and and Jackson Dart a solid receiving core and a solid defensive front in in, in Ole Miss coming to Florida. So then you got to go on the road for your last game against Florida State. And Florida State, uh, that could go either way, especially with how much Florida State has lost to the portal and how, how much they've lost to the draft. So that could go either way as well. But it's a tough schedule. I mean, you go with Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, and Florida State. That's a tough stretch. This is why the recruiting class matters. Because the this recruiting class for Florida has players that are featured that could probably make immediate impacts for this football team. While DJ Lagway probably won't start right off the bat, Graham Mertz is still going to be there as their, as their starting quarterback. He he and along with other players could probably make a difference later on in the season for Florida. And that's why the recruiting class to me matters because this schedule is going to be tough. And I think recruiting plays into that. I really do. I think talent level plays in to this type of the schedule. And I think, I think it, it, it might have not have made an outcome on which recruit on their recruiting class. It may have not made an outcome. It may have not made a difference whatsoever. But a strong recruiting class like that could lead them to some good wins this season on their schedule and beyond in college in, in the college football season. So that's why if I was let down, I was let down by Florida a little bit. So uh, that was my National Signing Day recap, my Florida evaluation of the National Signing Day, especially with their little mini schedule look over that we did. And this is why recruiting matters. Recruiting matters in such a big way because talent level is what you need to take your team to the top of the mountain in college football. You know, it's the future of college football. And recruiting at high school is just as important as the transfer portal. With high school recruiting, you're thinking long-term. With transfers, you're thinking right now. You're thinking presently. But with this, you're thinking could be now, but you're also thinking long-term 
on top of now. So that just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy. That was our recap of National Signing Day. And guys, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is just share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook, just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get Instagram trivia questions on your on your Instagram stories, go and answer today's if you follow Pigskin Frenzy on there, as well as all things of the day for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, big thank you again. Uh, Thursday, we will be back with episode 98. We're getting closer to the 100th episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Thursday, we will recap Super Bowl 58. We will recap the 2023 NFL season. And next Tuesday we will start our little series, a little series again. We're going to get back into our little off-season series. The start our off-season series, we're going to talk about the top 50 game, Pigskin Frenzies, top 50 games of the college football 2023 season, uh, starting from 50 through 41 on our list. And we're going to go over those games. You're not going to want to miss it next Tuesday. And for the 100th episode, well, we'll talk about the 100th episode when we get there for Thursday. So until this Thursday of Pigskin Frenzy, I'm Joel Norris signing off. Please tune in Thursday for our Super Bowl recap and our NFL season recap for 2023. Guys, for everybody out there, stay the course. God bless. And have a great rest of your Tuesday. And guys, also, again, thank you for just plugging in the Pigskin Frenzy always. And guess what? I'm just going to say it again because I'm in such a good mood. Stay the course.